Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash 365 and get on your way to being your best self. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone else. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 365 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 365. BetterHelp.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Kevin Flaherty, 247 Sports, hell of a college basketball writer, joins us. Greg Smoke and Paul Catalina, David Smoke on 365 Sports. Uh, Kevin, we I've used the word battering ram for the Big 12. Kansas has five losses. The winner of the conference might end up with, my goodness, five losses. I don't know. Um, is it even more competitive than you thought when, when the new four arrived and we saw this season about to start? Yeah, I think so. You know, you, you always look at the cliche like any given night, right? And and I think in the Big 12, typically that's that's been a little more realistic than in other leagues. There's usually, you know, a, a definite bottom team. You look at the SEC and, and Missouri doesn't have a win yet. Missouri is not, you know, beating the top team in the SEC on any given night. But you look in the Big 12 and you look at, at how deep it is 1 through 14. And, and there have been some, some real scares there. You know, obviously Baylor had a real scare with Oklahoma State, you know, there there have been Kansas has lost to UCF in West Virginia, and you look at the top of the league, and there's a very real chance that those teams, you know, wind up playing some of those teams at, at the quote unquote bottom part of the league, and, and it's a very real area where where they can lose. And one of the crazier things, I'm actually working on an article right now, looking at the most efficient teams since January 1st and for big 12 teams, that means all of their games are, are in conference play. Kansas is the number 11 most efficient team since January 1st and they're seven and five. And so I think that that goes to tell you, you can be pretty much a top 10 team and still be sitting right around 500 in league play. That's how tough this league is. Kansas's problems obviously start really with the bench in that they for two years now haven't really had a lot of a lot of depth there since the the title 
Where has Bill Self gone wrong with that? Uh, in addition to the fact that this year, I think it probably stems from Arturio Morris and the gigantic misstep of bringing him in. Yeah, I think you, I think you hit the nail right on the head. And quite frankly, it's a nail that not a lot of people have hit on. You know, I think a lot of people have have looked at the roster and said, "Well, Nick Timberlake hasn't quite been what they thought." You know, El Marco Jackson was a McDonald's All American that came in and was maybe a little bit more raw than than people thought, but I think those things would have mostly been okay if Arterio Morris had come in and and not had the issues that he had, had not gotten booted from the team. He would have filled a lot of the holes that they would have had. Johnny Furphy would have been a sixth man in that case. And, and all of a sudden, your bench unit's looking quite a bit better. And, and instead of that, you know, Arterio Morris leaves it. And so you're choosing between guys who maybe aren't quite as athletic but are a little bit more skilled or going the the other way, going with a guy like El Marco Jackson, who's a really good athlete but still figuring out basketball at this level. And Arterio Morris is a guy that, quite frankly, had both. And so I think you have that, and then you have the injuries and illnesses that they've had. You know, what was it? I think two weeks ago it, it seemed like Texas Tech had Ebola and half their team was – was out and, and you know it, Kansas got hit by illness too. You know Johnny Furphy was was sick the day of the Kansas State game and only practiced once that entire week afterwards. Uh, he's coming back from that. Jamari McDowell has missed the last two games uh, with illness. Kevin McCullers' injury is obviously part of that. And so you take a team that that really wasn't deep in the first place and, and you start you know sort of chopping holes on that roster and. They had seven available scholarship players against Baylor and seven scholarship players available two nights later against Texas Tech. And I think you saw the results of that. There were a lot of tired legs in Lubbock. Kevin, Texas Tech, what a big win for them. I mean, you, you laid out the, the reasons why that game went the way that it did, but just in general, to, to get a banner win like that, a blowout win over KU is a big deal for Grant McCaslin and company. They're 7-4 and four now at this point in the conference. Just having seen them progress throughout the year now under his guidance would have stood out to you as, as the biggest impressions of, of the McCaslin era early on it in Lubbock. Yeah, and let's be clear. If Kansas is full strength, Kansas wasn't winning that game. <laughs> you yeah, know, Texas yeah. Tech you know, played that well. And Darian Williams, I'm not sure I've seen a player in the Big 12 play as efficiently as he did in terms of scoring 30 points and not missing a shot either from the field or, or from the free throw line, also grabbing 11 rebounds. And with him, you know, you can't – one of the bad things about the transfer portal is you can't count on somebody sticking around anymore, right? You can't – look and say, okay, this guy's a sophomore. We'll be really excited to have him as a junior because, you know, either, hey, the, they play really well, they wind up testing the NBA waters and they're gone, or, or other people are going to make, make offers or things like that. But Texas Tech, generally speaking, has to be really excited with Williams' development as a sophomore and as a guy that, if he sticks around and love it, could be a foundational piece and potentially an all-Big 12 piece. And you add that to the backcourt that they've had, you know, Pop Isaacs, I, I, I like watching him a lot. He's, uh, he, he's one of those guys that, that is kind of fun and that, you know, I'm not sure he has a whole lot of a, a filter when he's out on the court in terms of, hey, this is, this is not the moment for me to take a 30-footer or this is not the moment for, 
for me to do this. Uh, that makes him uh, a lot of fun. And when you pair him with a leader and an older guy like Joe Toussaint, who's a little more reined in it and kind of has a little bit more sense of the moment, uh, I think that backcourt's coming together really, really nicely. And then the big thing for them, the thing that's kind of told the story, I feel like, on their whole season is Warren Washington and the way that he's come along. Having that kind of center and a guy that can impact the game on, on both ends of the court, uh, I think it has really given them a foundational piece. He won't be up for all Big 12 honors, I don't think, this year, but he'll be a guy that if you talk to coaches around the league and say, hey, what was the reason that Texas Tech had a really big season? I, I think they'd bring up his name sooner rather than later. Kevin, I saw a note last night that teams ranked outside, well, unranked, in the AP poll, unranked in the AP poll, are 34 and 34 against teams ranked inside the top 10. What does that say? I think there's a lot of parity. And I think, you know, we've said this for years, but I, I think you're starting to see the, the COVID year guys, right? You're, you're seeing a lot of guys out there that have the fifth or in some cases even sixth year. And so I, I do think the transfer portal causes some of it and there's movement and, and all of those different things. But I, I think the other part of it is just the fact that you're seeing a lot of guys that have played an awful lot of basketball spread out throughout the country. And when you, when you have that, you know, you can't take a night off and, and you can't look at a schedule and, and say, okay, here's, here's the easy part of our schedule. We've got Houston and Baylor coming up next week, but this week it's only, you know, at West Virginia or at UCF. You can't do that Mm -hmm. because even those teams that that are struggling, they have some guys that have played a lot of basketball. I think one of the reasons Oklahoma state struggles so much is just their pure youth that they have in compared to, to everybody else. But you look at that UCF roster you look at that Cincinnati roster, you look at BYU roster, there are, you know, there are a lot of guys that have played and started a lot of basketball games, have played in a lot of games. And so even teams that are able to pick up talent in maybe more traditional ways, you know, you're, you're having to deal with that whole experience factor. Everybody's got it. That whole get old and stay old goal, you know, it, it's very realistic and it's not just realistic to the top part of college basketball. Kevin, can you explain Oklahoma to me? They're, to me, the toughest team outside of maybe Texas, who makes no sense that they should be way better than they are. But Oklahoma, I just cannot get a read on them. Like, how good are they? I know they're a good team, but I don't know how good they really are. Yeah, it's interesting because I think they're so well coached. And I think when you go back and and watch Oklahoma on tape, you see – a number of baskets every game that they're generating because the offense is generating the baskets rather than the players are generating the baskets. And I think defensively, obviously Porter Mosier is a tremendous coach. I still think they're maybe a little bit on the under talented side when it comes to comparing them to the top half, say of the, of the big 12. And I, I'm a huge JV and McCollum fan. I, I like Otega away a lot. You know, I, I think they, they have some, some interesting pieces there. But I think that they're in a spot maybe more than a lot of other people in that Baylor is so talented that every once in a while you're going to score because Jacoby Walter just gets you a basket, right? Or Ray J. Dennis has old man at the Y game, and he just, you know, goes <laughs> and, and, is, and, is, and, is, and is able to score. And 
Oklahoma doesn't have that as much. As much as I like McCollum, you know, it's there's a lot of pressure on him to generate for other guys. And I think when Oklahoma doesn't execute, it looks really, really bad. I don't know that they have guys that are super capable of going out there and kind of making a moment happen on their own. And I, I think that's part of the problem with them is they have to execute at such a high level. And when they don't, they're going to look pretty bad. Kevin, uh, Baylor blew out Oklahoma last night. And, and my goodness, Jaden Nunn was great. Uh, he really was. But do they go as far as Jacoby Walter if he locks in as the alpha? Or do they need him to be an alpha? You know, I don't know if they need him to be an alpha. I think there, there are a lot of interesting questions around Baylor, I think. For one thing, you know, we talked about Ray J. I think Ray J is such a fascinating fit with this Baylor team because I think Ray J is very deliberate in a lot of the things that he does. And I think that this is a Baylor team that outside of Ray J. Dennis really is probably at its best when they can get out and run, right? You know, you look at how good Jacoby Walter is in, in transition. I mean, I don't know of a whole lot of centers out there that run the way that Izmisi does. And so, you know, it, it's a little bit of not quite maybe a hand-in-glove fit, and that's not taking anything uh, away from him. He, he's a really good player, and he does some great things. I think that's part of a question. I think you're not sure on a night-to-night basis what you're going to get from from Missy, I call him Hurricane Eves because <laughs> he's a guy that, you know, you, you'll you notice for the wrong reason or, you know, you won't notice him at all for a stretch. And then all of a sudden, you know, he'll have six points and five rebounds in two minutes and, you know, block two shots. And you say this, my gosh, this guy's the most talented guy in the Big 12. And so, you know, I think they've got players like Jacoby Walter and like Eves Missy that can, that can go in and, and change games with, you know, sort of individual talent and individual brilliance. I don't know that it needs to be Walter consistently. I do think they need him to show up consistently. Uh, But I think that, you know, obviously when you look at at last night's game, gosh, how good would Baylor be if Jaden Nunn was anywhere approaching that on a night-to-night basis? Mm -hmm. But but I I think they can do it as a team. I think they can be... You know, I think they can be a, hey, this guy gets 15 tonight, this guy gets 15 tomorrow night. But I do think that if they're going to go a long way in March, you know, they probably need to have some moments of brilliance from the two freshmen. Well, you're right. And, and Misi, uh, goodness, uh, just dripping with what looks like amazing talent for now and also into the future. Now, their guards, Dennis, Nunn, Walter, they're very, very uh, uh, erratic with ball control. I mean, they turn it over yep. like 17 turnovers of 21 or whatever against Kansas on the road, and they almost still had a chance. They almost, well, they did have two chances to tie the game. Is that just who they are? Because last night I think they had just five. I don't know if that's saying something about Oklahoma's defense or they tightened it up or what. Well, and, you know, Ray J, over his career, his has typically protected the ball really well. That was a big part of, of who he was coming into Baylor. And so I, I don't know that it's necessarily who they are. I do think there are, you know, kind of lapses in, in concentration, if you will, without knowing the, the locker room a ton. You know, I, and I know that this guy wasn't perfect either, but I don't know that there's 
a Mark Vital who scares everybody within a 50 foot radius of him. Like if you, if you make a mistake, um, I, I don't know that they necessarily have that guy, obviously missing Langston love, you know, you, you wind up not having that extra option to go to. I think Miro little, a lot of people maybe expected a little bit more from him at this point as well. And, and so that hurts too, because you can't look at a guy when it, when he has a sloppy turnover or a couple turnovers or whatever, you can't look at him and say, okay, you're, you're out of the game. We're just going to replace you with this other guy when the replacement isn't there. And so I do think they, they need to hone in on the focus a little bit, but I do think, you know, Ray J Dennis in particular is really capable of taking care of the basketball. And so that's, that's something to watch for the final month or so though. All right, I, I, if you don't mind, I need to ask you about something. Uh, obviously, you had the news earlier this week about what was going on with 247. Uh, you and I traded some text messages about this. I said a lot of people have reached out to you. You're really good at what you do, and uh, I hope that when people have a chance, whoever it might be, to listen to this segment or any segment you've been on with us and want to have you on in the future, um, obviously it's been a really hard week for you because 800 people or so were laid off uh, this week. Have you had anybody reach out to you? And if not, we need to figure that out. I've had it. I've had a few people reach out to me. I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a tough day yesterday. I, I think it's unfortunately something that's become a, a lot more commonplace in, in, in media. And quite frankly, you know, I, I had been a part of, of three or four different newspapers or different media entities that, went through layoffs where I was safe. And, you know, I was, I was kind of telling my wife that, you know, it, it was sort of my turn, so to speak. You, you don't expect, I don't think anymore to, to make it through and, and not get laid off, you know, at, at some part, it, it's part of the journey. And so I, I appreciate the, the praise and everything. A few people have reached out, but it's uh it was certainly a, certainly a tough day and, and some talented colleagues are going to be out there, uh, out there on the market as well. If something does hit, let me know. Uh, we'd like to continue to get you on throughout the rest of the basketball season. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it, and good luck. All right. All right. Thanks Thank a you. lot. Kevin Flaherty, uh, 247 CBS Sports College Basketball. This has been a Rogue Media Network production. Oh.